Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Oh, thank you, Professor, for that great introduction. That's right, Double B's back on the mic again today. I'm going to tell you, man, we don't want any feuding or fussing over this. <laughs> that was the headline, okay? Okay. <laughs> we don't want any feuding or fussing over this. Uh, so you've heard of the Hatfield McCoys, I've heard. I'll I take it. certainly have, yes. Well, they're back in the news again here. Um, oh, good God. Yep. Pike County, Kentucky, on the hog trail in, in 1873, of course, way back when, um, you know, Rudolph McCoy brought up charges against Floyd Hatfield over pigs. And here it is 150-some years later, and uh, this guy's he's the descendant of the Hatfields. His name's Bob Scott, and he said, it's been pig-napped. <laughs> well, it's a small ceramic pig statue, but I guess for years I sit down there on the um, cabin in uh, Pike County to the trail. It's the hog trail cabin, and someone has stolen their pig. But they don't want any fighting or pussing or feuding this time. I just want to let you know about that, man. <laughs> the Hatfield McCoys are still going at it. Someone stole this ceramic pig, man, here in Kentucky, of all places. Oh. Like I said, Pike County about two hours from me, so... Uh, well, technically, it's about an hour and a half, but it's so damn big, it could be four hours away, too. Depending on what end you go to, it's a pretty big county. Well, I thought I'd share that with you because, you know, we're kind of going back in time this week, but we're yep. not going as far back as 1873. Uh, we're going to go back to 1986. I, that caught my eye. I thought something goofy that's still going on today, you know. So, um, anyway, uh, it's, that's, that's, bring that pig back. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody give them their pig back. Yeah. Come on. Oh man. How you been, Professor? Oh, I've been okay. Um, you know, fairly it's it still kinda getting used to living life as it was before COVID happened. Like I went and went and tried out a new brewery yesterday with a buddy of mine and went out and had lunch and it's just nice. You feel kinda odd doing it. And you know, because I'm not wearing a mask everywhere I go because I'm vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So if I walk into a place and nobody's wearing a mask, I'm not wearing one, you know. And somebody took this as a sign of me being some, like, anti-mask or fucking science denier type yesterday. And I'm like, um, no. And kind of launched into a short little fucking barb. And then I realized, dude, you've been out of the house once in a year. Quit being a dick. And, you yeah. know, I let it go. There you go. Yeah. How about it's, you? Um, yeah. I went a couple places um, and uh, didn't have a mask on. Um, no one else had one on. I'd been vaccinated. Um it was somewhere I needed to be, and um, it worked out fine. I felt a bit naked, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But um, here, I, uh, when I went through the store, uh, there's two stores. They just, um, in my immediate neighborhood here, that uh, I think it was on Thursday afternoon. No, Friday morning. Friday morning, I guess it was. They uh, took their mask mandate down off the doors. Uh, just grocery stores, both of them. So, uh Anyway, some people are still wearing them in the store and some aren't, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, I almost feel naked a little bit, man. My face is kind of like broken out a little bit and I was kind of covering it with the mask, but I think the mask was part of aggravating it too, you know, just, um, just from wearing it all that time. 
No, I think so because I've noticed that like around around my nose and kind of like where the edge of it sits, that like mm-hmm. your skin's just like a little rougher or broken yep. out in spots. Yep. My yeah, my nose a little bit drier and stuff. But I think now, you know, I've been getting out feeding some birds every day around five o'clock in my yard. That, that happened to freak when I have a couple bird feeders out. And I'm really enjoying that. I'm trying to get a little bit of sun there, and um, hopes to you know just to uh, maybe use a moisturizer or something now around that area. But, yeah, uh, seems like we're get, kind of getting back to normal after all this bullshit. Yeah, so. it's, um, I, I look forward to it. I, I really just want the partisan horse shit to stop. Yeah. I just yeah. want, you know, fucking everybody, your grown-ups, fucking do what you know you need to do. Quit acting like it's some fucking concentration camp you're being put into, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a little weird. It's like it's like going out without wearing underwear. You just mm. you, you know you feel like something's missing, even though it doesn't really matter. You know. Yep. 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 Um, talk about last week's show there a little bit. Uh, tell Nate I found his cousin. Oh lordy. She wasn't wearing a mask. <laughs> she wasn't wearing much at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I found her. <laughs> oh, no, it's shit. good to have Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump on the podcast last week. We appreciate him taking the time out of his busy, busy day to get on our podcast. That's all right. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a nice uh, conversation we had. Um, I do have to tell you, I'd had that edit that episode edited down to just over an hour, and then my save file was corrupt when I tried to upload it. Mm. And since I was I was out of time, so you know when I edit the show, what I do first is I get the sound balance out, and then I go through and make right. cuts. Um, so fortunately, I'd already had a file saved where the sound was balanced and the ends were clipped off, but I ended up with more in there than I wanted. I mean, not that any of it was bad. Yeah. It's just, it was a lot of behind baseball towards the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it still come off pretty good. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, I know we're on a time restriction here that we like to keep under on this program. Sometimes we go a little bit over it. Um, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Robert Silva. Um, I stand corrected. I appreciate that, Robert. He is a, man, he's a boxing, um, uh, a aficionado. Yes, aficionado is what I was trying to spit out. Thank you. He he's a well-rounded person. Um, I brought up the uh, Mike Tyson fight where um, he knocked out um, a guy from this local area, uh, Big Sam Scaff, and I said it took place in England, and it was it got coverage in Sports Illustrated. I'm pretty sure Scaff must have got the fight over in England because I don't know where that came from. But anyway, Robert brought it to my attention that he was actually at the fight uh, in New York at the Felt Forum. So I appreciate that. Anytime someone wants to fact check me, I'm fine with that because my memory sometimes doesn't serve me right. I know I did see it in the Sports Illustrated. And like I said, um, there was one Tyson's up and coming, you know, early in his career. And um, that's uh, pretty cool that he shared that with me or shared it with our fans even, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, anyway, appreciate that, Robert. Appreciate you listening, man. We got a lot of good listeners out there to interact. Adam. Of course, um, uh, Sean, just, uh, Sean. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have some guests coming up in the future and I know they listen to the program as well. One in particular, I'm wearing it. I know you can't see it behind the mic, but, uh, we've got, uh, Mike Mills coming on in the future and I'm wearing a, uh, book in a territory t-shirt, uh, the most, let's see, the unprofessional 
<laughs> wrestling podcast. That's so, pretty uh, clever. Yeah, so he sent me that a couple years ago when I was I filled in on there for um, let's see, Mike and Doc and um, uh, Hop. Uh, fuck, what's his name? Ah, fuck, drawing a blank all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, I filled in when he was doing some of the Smoky Mountain segments, and um, they gave me a shirt and. Harper, thank you. Oh David. yeah, okay. Yeah, Harper. Anyway, I got to fill in on Smoky Mountain when I was winding that that series down. And um, anyway, I'm proud to wear their shirt around, even though you can't see it, um, you know, right now. But it is what I'm wearing. So shout out to some of those good guys I've left. I don't want to leave anyone off. I know we've got some good listeners. Tim up there in Canada. Can't got to mention Tim. his name, or yep. he's going to fuck us on the Wonder Bars. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on here. Um, Got uh, one person that um, just want to go through this kind of quickly here. Um, we had someone pass away this past week in the wrestling business at the age of 71, and that was Don Cranoodle. You want to talk a little bit about that there, Professor? Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, Don Cranoodle is a name that uh, I'm pretty sure most wrestling fans are familiar with, and definitely guys our age and up are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, now what I didn't know, and I came across the story, um, apparently his wrestling career started when he took the Bob Roop Challenge. He got beaten by Bob Root because fucking Bob Root beats everybody almost, except William Harding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but <laughs> apparently Ollie and Gene Anderson watched that, and they liked uh, Don Cranoodle and how he moved around in the ring, and they offered to train him. And I thought that okay. was a really cool story because uh, there's certainly worse things you can do than to get a pat on the back from the Andersons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure, man. For did you sure. did you hear about uh, Oli's new uh, website that he's doing? No, it's like a membership thing. It's called Oli Fans. I don't know what uh-huh. you get when you sign up, but I've been told not to look at the pictures. That's <laughs> Oli Fans. <laughs> oh man! Boom! boom. Yep. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to look at the pictures. Um, I'll just bring this up. To, uh, I don't know how to even. I don't, I don't know if there's a segue for this, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I want to go out here to promote my books, then come back to it. <laughs> I'm jumping down to books, okay? All right. We'll come back up to the top in a second. All yep, right, yep, listen, all right. folks. <laughs> I'm still getting a snicker out of that. All right, so <laughs> Professor has got it set up to where you can get either one of my books, uh, both of them in hard copy. They are all available on ebook or download editions um, from Amazon. But if you'll go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, that'll take you to the link to buy Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostful Travel. Um, the show gets a little bit of kickback if you use that website going that direction. It'll directly take you to Amazon. It's just a way for podcasts to get a little bit of affiliate money put back into the account. Um, the second book, I kicked out on too, The Educational Wrestler. You can get that by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Again, both of those are available on Amazon. Just use one of those simple links I gave out, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 or tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. And let's move a few books, people. Um, get you something to read this summer. You know, when the weather's changing, it's pretty outside. 
uh, buy one of these books and get you a fucking umbrella and sit out with your toes in the sand and a drink in your hand and, and read one of my books, man. I'd appreciate it very much. Uh, with that said, Professor, let's get back up to uh, uh, something a little bit more important than my books, um, but the books are important because they do help yes, they sponsor this show. We appreciate that. But um, so back to Don Canudo. I'm sorry I didn't have a segue into that. No, it's I, um, I that was a weird spot for me to drop that, but it's the yeah, only opening okay. I saw. Yeah, it's okay. No, um, so apparently uh, Canoodle passed away from a self inflicted wound. Uh, I'm assuming gunshot wound when it's you know. Uh, they didn't go to great detail, but he was 71 years old and said he had been in having some serious health issues. But uh, you and I, as we've done plenty of times in the past in this program, um, we like to give out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, for, or Lifeline rather. Uh, that's for any age, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. We kind of discussed off air being 71 in poor health. Uh, maybe that's his decision. I mean, obviously it was his decision yeah. um, at that time. But... Um, for anyone that's, you know, on the fence, you know, this is the final solution. So um, I always talk about mental health at the end of the program. Yep. You know, do do your best that you can uh, help each other, take care of yourself. You got to take care of your own mental health. But if you, if you are having trouble and need to speak to someone, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day. It's in English, Spanish, et cetera. Um, it's one 800 273-8255. And I think it's important the professor brought that up that we uh maybe put that out there again this week because uh, it's been a it's been a couple months since we put it up, I believe. Yeah, it has. So, uh, and um uh, you know, it's just it's good to have access to that. Yeah. If you are struggling with something and need somebody to talk to, please call this number or reach out to your doctor or priest or whoever you speak to. Um you know, I don't want to take away from Don Carnoodle's career. I mean, obviously, no. they said he, he died right after a doctor's visit. I can only imagine what kind of news could come ahead of that. Um, but, you know, uh, I just want to hit a couple things real quick on his career. He was the yeah. NWA Canadian television champion one time. Mid-Atlantic Mid -Atlantic Championship Wrestling. He was a tag team champion twice with uh, Private Jim Nelson. The NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Champion one time with Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Yep. The NWA World Tag Team Champion three times with Sergeant Slaughter, Bob Orton, and Ivan Koloff one time each. And down in Puerto Rico, he was the WWC uh, Heavyweight Champion once and the WWC Television Champion twice. Right on, man. Right yeah. on. And folks, sorry about the weird segue. Jeremy just got me while I was going that. So uh, anyway, look, thanks I just, for letting me just pitch my books in there to get me off. Yeah, my, no, look, my brain I, set for a second. I made an Oli Dick joke right in the middle of a, <laughs> of a tribute to a past week. I was, yeah, 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 it was a weird spot. Oh man. Anyway, we're let's get back to 1986. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll go through some sports and you go through some TV shows. How's that? That sounds good. Um, 1986, man. That was the uh, in Major League Baseball. That was the uh, New York Mets won the World Series that year. Um, NFL, the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Yeah, of course. NBA with the Celtics, and then NCAA, man. One of my favorite all-time teams. Um, the Louisville Cardinals, man, Denny Crum coached that team. They had won in 1980 and 1983 and again in 1986. And the thing about that, um, 1983 team and 86 team, um, 
one of the best players from this area of all times. His name's Jeff Hall, 16th regional player. He was up for uh, Mr. Basketball that year. I had played basketball against Jeff since the uh, seventh grade. He went to different school than I did. And um, may turn out to be a hell of a player, but the thing is, he got, after high school, he got a scholarship to the University of Louisville, and he played for the Cardinals. And uh, us being the same age, the, the 80, class of 82, so in 83, he's on the NCAA championship team as a freshman, and then he comes back as a senior, and guess he got two NCAA championship rings. There's not a lot of people I know going around this world with two of those, but I happen to know the man personally, and um, uh, I was a big fan of Louisville uh, way back when anyway, and so to see someone you know, um, you know, as a young man like that, because I played a couple years of college ball myself for a JUCO, um, I was really happy for the guy. You know, of course, I was happy for Louisville Cardinals, too. So yeah. uh, that's just something I wanted to – that's why I put that out there. Um, they beat Duke also. Up in this area of the country, a lot of people, um, you know, they're big blue fans, a lot of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm one of the rare ones. Uh, there's a handful of us that like the Louisville Cardinals more. Most of us um, – not me. Um, I'm not a big Duke fan, but most people up here aren't North Carolina fans either. So that's kind of the rivalries of Kentucky or Duke and North Carolina. Uh, of course, the great in-state battle of Louisville and Kentucky uh, during football and basketball. But um, hell with it. I'm going to cheer for the Louisville Cardinals any anyway. <laughs> Just to piss people off. <laughs> well, you know. So anyway, what was on TV back in 1986, Jeremy? Well, so I went and pulled down. Bobby, normally when I do these i only go for like two three maybe four spots yeah. uh this one i had to stretch a little further to get to something interesting i wanted to talk about but the number one show on tv uh 1986 was the cosby show yeah followed right. at number two by family ties number three cheers what with the benefit of hindsight might be one of the best written sitcoms ever you know i agree i, I watched that a, oh it's been several years back uh, i watched probably the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. And man, I was like, there was some really good writing on there. Very yeah. good writing. I agree. Yeah. Agree. Uh, number four was murder. She wrote, um, you know, I, I often wonder if Angela Lansbury's character was the actual murderer and then covered it up with her detective act. Um, <laughs> Could have been know. just like Carl Malden was doing all those damn checks. You know, he was always there. Wasn't he? I was always you there. Know, yeah, always exactly. There. So, anyway. um, number five, the Golden Girls. Now, surprisingly, when my ex-wife worked for the Santa Cruz AIDS Project, I found out the Golden Girls had a huge gay man, male following, which I had never mm -hmm. known or suspected, which I just always cracks me up to go back and think about that, you know, for some mm -hmm. fucking reason or another. Um, number six was 60 Minutes. Like, the, what is that, the longest-running TV show now ever, I guess? Yeah, I think so. It, yeah. it, it takes me like an hour and a half to watch it. but Yeah, it's yeah. I slowed down a bit in my, my older <laughs> age, that's for sure. Um, number seven. Now, this is the reason I had to stretch so far to get here, okay, Bobby? Yes. Number yes, seven sir. was Night Court, um, a show I had often forgot about, but I used to really enjoy it when it was on. But, um, you know, recently a songwriter uh, named Jim Steinman passed away. And Jim Steinman wrote Bat Out of Hell, one of the biggest albums, I believe, in rock history, right? Yep. yep. Um, you know, performed by Meatloaf. Now, in the second season of Night Court, before Marky Post joined, there was a woman uh, named Ellen Foley who played Billy Young. Now, Ellen Foley, if you ever go back and watch the videos that were made for uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, Bat Out yes. of Hell, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, 
and uh, Hot Summer Nights, Ellen Foley was that girl in the tank top and white pants with the curly black mm. hair who sang yeah. backup for uh, with Meatloaf on that or sang co-lead, I guess. Yeah. That uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights Bill, they just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. She's there, like that black curly hair, that tank top, those white pants, and they're just back and forth with each other. And Meatloaf said his hair stringy. He's worked it up, man. And they're just going, it. it's some good chemistry, man, during a song yeah. of a video. The the video matched the song and vice versa when they done that. It was just really good good chemistry there, man. Oh, it's fantastic. She was they're smoking hot, man. Yeah, they're on their on stage chemistry is great. I remember yes. that there's that first shot when Meatloaf is singing and you her part is coming up and she mm-hmm. drags the microphone so she's up next to him for her bit. The timing yeah. was superb. Her face, just the faces she makes, like when he first uh, says, Let me sleep on it, and she yeah. turns her head away to the camera and just mouths, Let me sleep on it. Yeah, yeah, that's some great, great stuff. So, yeah, I had to stretch a little bit to get there, but Jim Steinman was a fantastic songwriter. I mean, he wrote fucking operas with rock instrumentation is what he did. Um, You know, it's probably, you know, I don't know that we will ever see a songwriter like him again, Um, but Ellen Foley was smoking hot in those videos. And I don't, you know, I don't know if she actually sang those parts on the album or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But she her, was in the video, though. But she was in the video, and <laughs> yeah. that's what we were shooting for there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three more finished up the top ten there. Uh, yeah, so then we go to Growing Pains at number eight. Number nine was Moonlighting, which had a great first season and then kind of shit the bed. Yeah. And number ten is Who's the Boss? And that's where we got Alyssa Milano from. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, that's a pretty good little series, man. It was all right. Yeah, it was It was funny. I mean, it was Tony Danza being yeah. goofy, but, you know, yep. that's what he did, he was, you know? Yeah, and some of those characters, um, I had liked him from Taxi, and, of course, then uh, Mona from... Uh, oh, she was great, uh, yeah. Soap, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, pretty good. Uh, maybe Fernwood could not... Fernwood tonight or Soap, one of them two. She was on Soap. No, she was, she was on Soap. Uh, yeah, Soap, that's what yeah. it was. Okay, I thought so. Mona. Yeah, she played one of the two uh, sisters on there. Yeah. All right, movies. Um, I know we both got a couple favorites from this time period. Uh, you listed the top three mm-hmm. uh, money movies there. Um, I threw out a couple more to you. Um, so, Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, and this was my one of my favorites, Jeremy. Um uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was pretty good, but I'm going to stick with um, Platoon is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I knew it came out in 86, and um, I just really enjoy that movie. It's just the, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, I think it gave a very, very, Oliver Stone done a very, very realistic look at the Vietnam War. Yeah. Through uh, Charlie Sheen's young cherry eyes, you know. Yeah. And then you got the two sergeants, um, just uh, uh Man, just all, a lot of good characters. A lot of young actors were in that movie uh, that become future stars, you know, uh, leading men and stuff from that movie. Um, just one of my favorites. And I know you got a couple more that you'd like to mention, or one in particular, I'm sure. Well, there's there's one in here. Now, for me, this is this is a big movie. Um, I don't know where it falls on the list, but Star Trek IV The Voyage Home uh, came out that year, and that's the one where people, like, you tell them what it's about, and you're like, time-traveling whales... And then people watching like, fuck, that was actually a really good movie. It's, the, I believe, still the highest grossing Star Trek movie they ever made. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I believe it is. And around the world, they actually like uh, uh, took down the references to it being the fourth movie because Star Trek wasn't like a worldwide thing. So they just tried mm. to let it look like a standalone 
sci-fi movie in other parts of the world. Oh, okay. And cool. um, it was great. It's uh, Nicholas Meyer came back to work on this, did some great work on the script. It was actually Harv Bennett, Nicholas Meyer's. Each wrote different parts of the movie and then put them together. It's it's just really good. The characters played off each other well. You don't have to know anything about Star Trek to appreciate it. Um, and it I takes place it. in San Francisco and Monterey for the most part. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I could see where I could play uh, worldwide if you took that off of there. If you weren't a fan, I could see that. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. All right, for what the fans probably came for, let's talk some wrestling. How about yes. that? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we're going to talk about some champions in yes, professional wrestling are. of 1986. And uh, Professor's one known for his voice, not me, so forgive me for that outburst. Uh, we're going to talk about some major events and some uh, dates. Um, just some good old pro wrestling that we like to talk about. We're yeah, you know, champions. real quick as we get into this, this is something Nate threw at us last week. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, it's like a ton of stuff happened that year. And then, Bobby, as we've done some looking at this, a ton of stuff happened in 1986. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure did, man. Yeah. A lot so of stuff. We're going to miss some things here, guys. It's just because we've got a time limit and um, so much happened. But, Bobby, why yes. don't you tell us about the NWA championship in 1986? Dusty Rose briefly interrupted Ric Flair's reign as world champion in 1986, man. Yeah, I think for what, it was like one or two months, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah something like that. It was a real short period of time that Dusty interrupted that. Um, Hulk Hogan, of course, was the uninterrupted, uh, undisputed, and all-time champion of the WWF that year. Yep, absolutely. Stan Hansen was stripped of the AWA world title, and it was given to Nick Bockwinkel. Now, um, I know it's not on our notes, but that AWA title of Stan Hansen we went into detail with uh, on an episode. Um, that was the uh, belt that accidentally, when he was uh, out riding his tractor, if I'm not mistaken, didn't it fall off of his waist and get ran over about three or four times? Well, yeah, yeah. He was out, he was out running a tractor with his title belt on, as one okay. does, and mm-hmm. it fell off. He ran over it on accident, backed up to see what happened, yeah. and then went over it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, something you're more familiar with is uh, the UWF uh, days. Tell us on that one. Who who won there? Uh, so Terry Gordy defeated uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a tournament to crown the first UWF heavyweight world champion. Um, but later in 1986, I guess Terry was injured and he forfeited the title to the one man gang. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, nothing unusual there, really, with some of those names, really. Nope. Um, a lot of big stars, obviously. Um, nothing really sticks out um, other than we knew probably Hogan champion not throughout that entire year. That wasn't going to change. Um, anyway, some major events, uh, some unclear dates, but we'll go through these and just kind of talk hit and miss of what we want to talk about. Uh, Jody Hamilton established the Deep South Wrestling in Georgia. Um, what else took place, Jeremy? Uh, well, the Japanese... Okay, so the UWF is kind of like a hinky title because there was a UWF in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Cowboy Bill Watts never trademarked it here in the States. So a few years after that folded, uh, Herb Abrams formed another UWF in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one in Florida when I was breaking in, actually. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that would not surprise. It's a great name, Universal yeah. Wrestling Federation. I mean, it's, yep. it, you know, uh, but the Japanese one dissolved after uh, Satoru Sayama uh, took issue with the outcome of a match against Akira Maeda. 
Um, and they closed that promotion down, and the majority of the people there at the UWF in Japan headed to New Japan. Yeah. So it was the dissolution of one major federation and then a bumping up of New Japan again. And they eventually, there was a, in 80, late 88, maybe I think, early 80, might have been 89, there was, a, there was another UWF that was a shoot group that Carl Gotch was involved with over Japan. Um, yeah, I think that had something to do. I think that had something to do with the fall apart of this. Yeah. And I believe this UWF invade, it was an invasion angle is how they brought it into new Japan. And that was the birth of the idea behind the NWO, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tuesday night Titans, the WWF talk show parody, uh, ceased airing. That was always pretty funny. Actually. That was a fun uh, show, yeah. Lord Alfred Hayes was one of pretty witty, wasn't he? Yeah, he, um, he was like the Ed McMahon role. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just making sure, yeah. Pretty good stuff there. Um, Matt Mania. What's that there, Jeremy? Well, Matt Mania was the first successful uh, pro wrestling arcade game that came out. Right up your uh, alley, probably. Yeah, you know, I was that age. Let's see, in 86, okay. I was 12 and 13. Okay. So right up my alley. I remember there was an arcade a few blocks away, and this was one of the main games there. And the guys in the game were like knockoffs of okay. real wrestlers. But you played like Dynamite Tommy. You had to defeat five people, win the championship, and then defeat those five again to maintain your championship to win the game. Yeah, I, I don't recall that one, um, to be honest with you. Um, was it on Nintendo also, or was just an arcade game? I think it was just an arcade game. I don't okay. remember a home version of it. Okay, I was just curious. Cause I, I, I had already, I was a big pinball guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I could play foosball and pool, but uh, not very good. I, I enjoyed them, but uh, ping, uh, I was going to say ping pong. Pinball I was pretty good at, but um, some of those games like uh, Centipede and, and, um, uh, asteroids and stuff. I was okay at those. Gla- yeah. Galaxian or whatever. But uh, I was always a pinball guy. So maybe our arcade. We had a couple of them here in town. Maybe um, maybe they had Matt Mania, but I didn't. I didn't play it. Um, I don't recall playing it to be honest with you. Yeah. I'd have went to the pinball machines. No, I just that's you know, just me. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just thought it was interesting because from there we go on to uh, like the WrestleMania game and other games like start coming out that make a bigger deal out of <clears throat> pro wrestling and yeah, you know, it's just kind of a kind of an interesting aside, you know. Speaking of games, I got to be in a game. You know, I did caption motion for uh, EA Sports up in Vancouver. I was in uh, the first um, wrestling game that. Um, EA Sports put out. It was called Mayhem. Had Goldberg on the front, and uh, my character was one of the sixty characters involved in the game, and that was pretty cool. Uh, myself and Bobby Eaton, uh, Lash Larue, and Colonel Buddy Lee Parker went up and shot that uh, motion capture for EA Sports in Vancouver, one of your favorite places. Oh yeah, I got to stay up there for about twenty five days or so man it's really nice uh, october is cold and rainy but i still enjoyed it don't get me wrong oh yeah still enjoyed <clears throat> it uh treated us really really good and um got to be in that that game so that, that was cool man got a couple royalty checks out of it um oh, so nice. bobby when you did that i'm assuming you did you know more than just your your own moves right yeah what was between the four of us um we did there's over 600 moves in that uh so yeah we did you know, they had a really nice ring built. Uh, they were working on the new um, EA Sports Arena at the time. We were in a big, uh, like a big warehouse, uh, arena turned warehouse, but they were actually building their own. Um, uh, 
for EA Sports, so this was something they was leasing. But yeah, they had a real nice ring out in this building, and um, we, you know, you had to wear your your targets or your stickers, and mm -hmm. the motion capture picks up everything. And yeah, between us four, uh, they brought in Ted DiBiase for technical advice each, uh, about once a week. He came in for technical assistance on things. Uh, they brought in, uh, they was going to bring in uh, a Mexican wrestler for the high flying stuff, but. Um, they end up sending one of the bigger Mexicans up there. He only stayed a couple of days. Um, can't remember his name now, but um, uh, we had a stunt man. By the end of the time, because we're working every day, it was like a union job uh, for the, the the crew to to film that. Yeah. And uh, by the end of it, we had had to use a huge crash mat out in the middle of the ring to soften some of those bumps, man. And then also we had a 135 pound stunt man that was on a guide wire. And we had to, you know, we can move him around pretty much. And once we started, once we got through everything, we went back. Anything that was missed, we could just put him on that wire and, you know, do this and do that. Uh, for example, uh, two people pulled the ring ropes down, and I stepped over them. And that was like Kevin Nash's thing, you know, something like that. Gotcha. Little things like that. Just um, So, yeah, the lockups to power bombs. The power bombs off the top rope, they become to where... You know, we had we had to, you know, uh, no reason to kill someone doing a motion capture. So the guy's on a wire, and we pick, you know, the, the guide wire picks him up, take him out, lay him gently down on a crash mat out in the middle, you know. Yeah. Uh, we all started off for pour a piss of vinegar, you know, ready to shoot this thing. But by day 14 days into it, we was all beat the hell up, you know, taking all the thumbs. Yeah. But uh, if you notice, too, Bobby Eaton and myself at that time, we were pretty much the same size, and then we did some of the bigger man stuff, and then Lash and Buddy Lee were kind of a few inches shorter than us, a few pounds lighter. They did some of the lighter stuff. Now, it's not to say we all didn't interact with each other, but they had two taller guys with two shorter guys, and so they had a good... Um, it stretched out the motion capture so they could they could condense it or make you a seven footer, you know. Yeah, um, it's really fun, man. It's a good learning experience, and like I said, a good paycheck. But anyway, that's that's neither here or there. Hell, I think you can find that on eBay for like a penny, and then they charge you like four ninety nine shipping, so you can probably get it for five dollars. So my probably. royalties are brand out on it. <laughs> hey, so did you did you get to do any moves in that that you had always wanted to try out, or was that? just no we um best i recall we just stuck with you know um just based every we done crazy stuff just like you you would see in a normal game you know excuse me in a normal match yeah it wasn't anything too crazy um like i said power bomb off the top rope or something or i wasn't going to go up there and do a 450 or anything but you know if you got a guy on a wire Land on a crash mat, fuck, let him do it, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't have any desire to do a shooting star press or a 450 uh, off the top rope, you know? Yeah. So, well, that, uh, makes, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, and you didn't, the good thing was, too, you didn't have to take, uh, uh, had a, like a dummy uh, there. So if you didn't have to take a lot of bumps, you know, laying down on someone fucked up coming off the top rope on you. Um, you know, you had a dummy laying there with the, the, um, targets on them, you know, for motion capture. So you could, you know, pretty much stiff it if you needed to, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't Bobby eating down there taking, you know, me coming off the top rope and splashing them or something. You yeah. Know? So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's behind the scenes stuff. Let's move on to January of 1986. we got a couple of things here. Okay. Mm. 
Uh, Hawk Hogan begins using the real American as his interest theme. Um, and he'd done that pretty much throughout his whole WWF run around 1980, right, right, 1993 and later in uh, WWE appearances, the real American. Man. I think that's still the song you think of when you think of Hulk Hogan, if, yeah, if, if not so, Voodoo man. Child, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the heel one. That's the yep. heel Hogan. Hollywood <laughs> Hogan. It. Yeah, and see, that was uh, Rick Derringer did that one, if I believe. Rick Derringer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then PNW Superstar Extravaganza. What's that, Professor? All right, so that was a uh, a big show attempt by Portland Wrestling. Okay. Uh, I think Portland, I mean, they were, still, they were still drawing a crowd, but I think they were trying to figure out if they could grow another step. So it's kind of what I think was probably like the first steps and their last steps, you know, is this like making an yeah. attempt like everybody else was trying to do. It's like, how do we equal the WWF? You yeah. Know? That's kind of where everybody was at this point. Yeah. When I, um, when I saw that, I, I, I looked up a little bit of it, um, but I was thinking at first it was a combination of, of just a, a big show. Um, cause I know they brought Piper back in on it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it down here on my document somewhere, but um, I can't pull it up right now for some reason. So um, I, I know they brought in quite a few people for that. Oh yeah, the, well you know the and, extravaganza. Yeah, well and, and you know for people who don't <laughs> know anything about West Coast wrestling, it's Piper was a huge star. Portland, San Francisco, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. He was a fucking wild man that. If you got a chance to bring him in, you brought him in, and you watch his antics in the ring back then, and he was a lunatic. Yeah. You know, I mean, completely just, you know, I mean, probably one of the best heels I've ever seen in that small of a venue. I I had it pulled up here. Dallas coming back here. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, Pacific Northwest. I had um, Ric Flair came in. Dusty came in. Um, Tom Zink won the heavyweight champ, the P- NWA Pacific Northwest heavyweight title yep. uh, from Bobby Jaggers. The Road Warriors of Magnum TA defeated Ivan Nikita Koloff and Timothy Flowers in a six-man tag. I knew I'd had some notes on that, Jeremy, just so you know. So my bad, man. Yeah, you I know just, what, I couldn't pull them up. <laughs> I, I, I had them down, and then I just, yeah. I, you know, I yeah. didn't even think to include them for some reason. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I but I think. some of the bigger shows here we're going to talk about that I really, um, I got some more notes on two you know more 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 so than that show as we go on let's jump to february of 1986 all right take us from there well in february of 86 um wccw withdraws from the nwa and forms the wcwa the world-class wrestling association uh they elevate their u.s title to a world title um and uh, decided to launch out on their own, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, that looked like a great idea, I'm sure, because they were still really freaking hot, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was probably the right move for them at that time. Yeah. Um, it, well, you know, it's the thing. Like, everybody else was doing it, so why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. Um, TBS uh, airs Superstars on the Superstation. It was their first primetime wrestling event. So I imagine this was probably trying to match um, uh, Saturday night's main event kind of thing. Right. I'm yeah, trying so. to get into that kind of time frame and audience and market. 
Um, one I forgot to put down more notes about was the NWA Battle of the Belts 2. I believe every match on there was a championship match, and some were champion versus champion, if I yeah, remember right. Was that right. the one from Tampa? I think so, yeah. Because we watched those uh, several, well, earlier this year during the pandemic, I watched, uh, you turned me on to the first one, and I ended up watching the second one. I think they both were in Tampa. Yeah, I think they uh, both everyone, were. Every one yeah. the matches were championship matches, yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was like you had, I think, I can't remember if it was one or two, but you'd have like Harley Race versus Nick Bockwinkle was on yep. the card. And yep. yeah, it was all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and of course, also in February of 86, Saturday night's main event number five. Hmm. There were a few Saturday night's main events in 1986, and they were, I believe, in the same time slot as what would have been uh, Saturday Night Live, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and drawing huge numbers back when you could still do that on broadcast TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, also in February of this year, Gino passed away. Gino Hernandez at 28 years old. Yeah, we had talked about Gino, and um, uh, he went out in style, man. Tell me that again. What do you have in two two magnums? He had two magnums of Vidal Perignon. Okay. His American Express gold card or whatever the, the yeah, top American line. American Express, but man, woo. Yeah, yeah, and then somebody said he had a bag of Coke on him too, but I don't <laughs> know if that was just, I don't know if that's just window dressing or if that was legit, but uh, you have to imagine if Gino's friends were nearby and they knew Gino, they'd fucking get a bag of Coke in there to him somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, take this My, to the Not afterlife. making light of that, but we've done a big, big special on Gino as one of our top favorite heels. Yep. So uh, anyway, and plus they've got the dark side of the ring on that as well, but uh, we just wanted to bring it up again. Um, the uh, Also another death that year as Buff was uh, Nick Bockwinkle's dad, Warren Bockwinkle, died of Alzheimer's complications at the age of 74. Right, and so, of yeah. course, you know, not too much longer away from this. Nick Bockwinkle would die of Alzheimer's uh, complications as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. I mean, really sad. Oh, man. Let's jump down here to April. Yes, there's sir. A couple of things I want to talk about. The Crockett Cup. The Road Warriors won over Ronnie Garvin and Magnum TA. And um, I have got notes on the Crockett Cup there. I just um, am amazed at some of the people that were on that. Um, I'm going to give you just a couple results here and there, okay? Yeah. Uh, Mark Youngblood and Wahoo McDaniel defeated Bobby Jaggers and Mike Miller. Um, the Batten Twins, I knew uh, Brad and Bart. I knew them quite well. Um, but Nelson Royal and Sam Houston defeated them. Uh, Jimmy Valiant and Man Fernandez. Now, what a tag team man. right there, man. <laughs> uh, they defeated Baron Von Rasky and the Barbarian. With uh, Paul Jones and Shaska Watley. I'm telling you, we'll do something about Pez Watley one day, man. One of my favorite all-time people. We'll have to talk about him one day. Yeah, uh, we, we should make room for okay. him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that team of uh, uh, Jimmy Valiant Man Fernandez, that's that's a pretty good one, man. That's, that's, that's got a tough guy and a, and, a, and, a, and a whole different character there, you know. Yeah. Um, Steve Williams and Terry Taylor beat defeated uh, Dundee and my man Buddy Landell. So you can see some top talent went to this thing, man. Uh, the Sheep Herders, uh, Butch and Luke, uh, with Jack Victory, defeated Chavo and Hector Guerrero. The Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, defeated a fabulous one, Stan Lane and uh, Steve Kern. Buzz Sawyer and Rick Steiner, what a fucking tag team they must have been, man. Uh, they defeated Coco Ware and the Italian Stallion. Black Bart and Jimmy Garvin, with Precious, defeated uh, Brett Sawyer and David Patterson. 
the Midnight Express. You can hear their music right now, man. Bobby and Dennis uh, with Jimmy Cornette, of course. They defeated Nelson uh, Royal and Sam Houston. So you can see where this is going to. Magnum T.A. and Ronnie Garvin defeated Buzz Sawyer and Rick Steiner. So yeah, you used to have the hell of a match, I'd imagine, of just guys getting there and beating the hell out of each other. Oh, yeah. Um, the Road Warriors, again with Ellering, they beat Youngblood and McDaniel. The Russians, Ivan and Akita, they beat Jimmy Valiant and Manny. Williams and Taylor defeated Dino Bravo and Rick Martel. Now, some of these guys had uh, buys earlier, too, is why I didn't read their names earlier. Someone got some buys. Uh, back to the Sheep Herders, they defeated the Rock and Roll Express by DQ. The Fantastics beat this team, and listen to this, the Fantastics beat uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard with J.J. Dillon. Holy uh, smokes. Man, that's upset. Yeah. Giant Baba and Tiger Mask defeated Black Bart and Jimmy Garvin. Uh, here come the Road Warriors again, defeat the Midnight Express by DQ. Williams and Taylor beat the Russians, uh, end of a time limit draw. The Fantastics and Sheep Herders uh, ended in a double DQ. Magnum and uh, Garvin defeated Baba and Tiger Mask. Um, then there's a couple singles matches here that wasn't, wasn't part of the tournament, and that is Jim Duggan defeated Dick Slater. Ric Flair defeated Dusty Rose with Baby Doll by DQ. And then the main was the Road Warriors, Adam One Hawk, Whip Elling, defeating Magnum T.A. and Ronnie Garvin. That's just a rundown of what kind of show that was. Think, man, that's just a, man... That's, that's a lot for 1986 right there. Yeah, the that's that's a lot going uh, on. Excuse me for going through all those names, but, but I really wanted to just to let our fans know, man, how many people just from that just glorified superstars, you know, man, very yeah. just unreal talent back in the day, man. Um, go ahead and take over. I've talked for a minute there, Jeremy. Oh, sure. Uh, let me see. get that out so, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from there, we're going to go. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to have to do a couple streams of consciousness yeah. as we do this here. Please do. The AWA, of course, many of our listeners should be familiar with the Wrestle Rock Rumble, the rap, quote-unquote, rap, quote-unquote, song mm-hmm. they did uh, to promote this. But let me let me go through the, uh, the card and the results real quick for this one, yes. okay? Brad Rangans defeats Boris Zukov. This is, a, they had a little people's match. Little Mr. T and Cowboy Lane defeat Lord Little Brook and Little Tokyo. Colonel De Beers defeats Wahoo McDaniel by a disqualification. You know there was some race baity shit going into that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers defeat the Midnight Rockers. I've actually seen this match, and I am always amazed by how agile Buddy Rose was, even when he was at the 300-pound blubbery mark. Man, he was, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, just how that fucker could move with that weight was amazing. Uh, <laughs> Lean Ti- mean 217. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, Tiger Mask defeats uh, Buck Zumhoff. I believe this was Tiger Mask 2, actually, but I'm not 100%. Okay. Wyndham and Rotunda defeat the Fabulous Ones, Stan Lane and Steve Kern. Mm. Harley Race versus Rick Martell, of course, champion versus champion, double count out. Uh, oh, wait, that wouldn't have been champion versus champion. That was just Harley Race shooting for the title. Okay. That okay. Was, I always get confused about when they did the champion versus champions on those. Uh, Sherry Martell defeats Luna Vachon, Joyce Grable, Cat LaRue, Rose Devine, Taylor Thomas, uh, a lady whose name I can never pronounce, Misty Blue Sims, Debbie Combs, and Candy Devine. Um, and this is amazing because the guy calling this match could not give a fuck about what is happening. He, he gets everybody's names wrong. He's calling the wrong girls by the wrong names. It is just, like, astounding. 
Um, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter defeats Kamala by disqualification. Scott Hall and Kurt Hanning defeat the Long Riders, which is uh, Scott and Bill Irwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Ledoux defeats Larry's of Bisco by DQ. Nick Bockwinkle defeats Stan Hansen by DQ. What a bunch of bullshit finishes, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Greg Gagne and Jimmy Snuka defeat King Kong Brody and the Barbarian. Of course, King mm-hmm. Kong Brody is Bruiser Brody, but in the AWA market, nobody wanted to disrespect Dick the Bruiser, so King Kong right. uh, was the name he went by. Vern Gagne defeats Sheik Adnan Al Casey. And the Road Warriors, with Paul Ellering, defeat Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Hey. Great card with shit results, is what I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we're going to roll right into the next one, which was a joint show of AWA and NWA called Rage in the Cage. Um, and I'm going to go through the results on this one real quick, just because we're already running. Colonel DeBeers defeats Davey G. Mike Rotunda defeats Doug Summers. Bruiser Brody, King Kong Brody, defeats Steve-O. The NWA United States Championship, Magnum defeats Baron Von Raschke. Wouldn't Baron have been like 70 at this point? <laughs> uh, AWA World Tag Team Championship, Scott Hall and Kurt Henning versus Konga the Barbarian and Boris Zukov. Texas Deathmatch, Nick Bockwinkle defeats Larry Zabisco. I am going to have to find that match, Bobby. I've never seen it, no. but now I want to. Uh, NWA National Championship, Tully defeats Ron Garvin via DQ. AWA World Heavyweight Champion, Stan Hansen defeats Leon White to retain. And then the Steel Cage match, Dusty Rhodes defeats Arn Anderson. Hmm. And then the last Steel Cage match, the Road Warriors defeat the Koloffs. Yeah. I'd like to find that match, too. Yeah. I'd be able to find that'd if be... out there. Um, yeah. That'd be an interesting match to check out. And then, of course, in April that year as well was WrestleMania two. Yeah. So, yeah, look at those four events, all those names. And, of course, WrestleMania two. if everyone don't know, WWF, a lot of talent on the roster at that mm-hmm. time. So uh, we won't run down the results of that show. Um, no, we can assume most people have seen that, whereas I'm not sure yes. that anybody's yes. seen AWA events, you know. Right. So we're moving on to May. Something very significant happens in May of 1986. Now, the way this is written is the way I kind of took it off the the site um, that I got some information. I think you must have too. And it says it says here, Ric Flair forms the Four Horsemen with Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, and manager J.J. Dillon. Um, and of course. We've referenced this several times, and the greatest fraction of wrestling, uh, greatest stable in wrestling, greatest family of wrestling, I don't know what you want to call it, but the four horsemen, but really, um, we didn't pinpoint down an exact day, but now we've down to May of 86, and we've talked about this before, but when, when Arn gets done talking and just puts those four fingers up, that's the formation of yeah. the four horsemen as, as, as in our fan base this is the way we believe it. Right. Well, yeah, I think, I think you could swap the wording out to Arn Anderson yeah. accidentally creates the greatest wrestling yes. faction in yes. history. That's yeah. just the way someone wrote that up there. Yeah, man. Uh, damn. May of 86, man, the four horsemen. 
Yep. And wrestling trails would, and professional wrestling. Yeah, and oh, wrestling man. would never be the same again. That's right, man. Yeah. That's right. Um, May of that year is also when Cowboy Bill Watts reorganized Mid-South into the Universal Wrestling Federation. Yeah. You kind of brought it up night last week. You kind of wasn't sure what year that was when we come back to it. So glad you yeah. brought that up again. Well, yeah, I figured after I, I bought that, that bots that year so badly because I knew it only existed for like one, maybe two years, but I was even questioning that, you know. Yeah, no, you got it right. You yeah. figured it out. I mean, that's the thing. We just we just on there talking wrestling, you know. Hell, so uh, yep. Saturday night's main event number six. six. Yep. yep, and then uh, well, May fourth, WCWA third Von Eric Memorial Parade of Champions. Um. I think this is the the point where it just starts to become depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're not filling the stadium up, and um, it's just uh, a couple, just I don't know. Let's jump down to uh, next month, um, June of 1986, and here's part of part of it. It's right off the top of the bat. June 4th, Kerry Von Erich is severely injured in a motorcycle accident. Um, of course, it ended up... Um, Amputate his leg. Yep. But but at first they weren't going to. Is that correct? If we read that correctly. Um. Then, yeah. I think he didn't want people to know they. Yeah. I had think, it amputated. I think what it was was like it had to be amputated. I don't yeah. think there was any way to save it. Yeah. But they were not going to let anybody know. Now Kerry yeah. wrestled the rest of his career with a prosthetic. Right, right. And still look like a million fucking dollars doing he, it. He he yeah, he can still move and stuff. That's what's amazing is is what kind of rehab he must have had to go through just to get up and walk again and then to also wrestle at the cow you know, at the level he did wrestle. Yeah. That was my understanding when I said that uh, about the amputation was um I think they kayfabed it. The, the Von Erich's family kayfabed that so much that it wasn't like he lost they didn't want to know he lost his foot is what it was. Um, even though it had been amputated. Right. Um, and finally it come out. I think there's actually a couple stories. Uh, I think Pat Tanaka from Bad Company actually uh, was in a match with them and pulled the leg off. Oh, it just I, came off during a match. Yeah, um, I have to imagine it happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, of course, you know, poor fucking Carrie already had a bit of a drug problem. Um, and, of course, after this, the the... You know, I'm sure they were just shoveling pain pills at him. Yeah. Yeah. But he performed at that high level, yeah, man. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he did his rehab, uh, rehabilitation for the leg, that rehab, you know, and got out there and performed. Um, I worked with them in uh, uh, either Toledo, Ohio, or Fort Wayne, Indiana, because I was there for a couple of days on TV, and... One of them was against uh, Al Matador, Tito Santana, and the other night was, the next night was uh, uh, Carrie at the Texas Tornado, and I get those two mixed up, which town I was in. They were both, um, uh, like I said, back-to-back TVs for WWF back in the day. But it was an easy match, man. Um, I knew his stuff. You know, you got in a ring. Um, I think Tex put something up there. It may actually be on the YouTube channel, Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I just hit the ring. Done a couple things, and he spun around, fed into the, the discus punch, and boom, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the you know the the introduction was longer than anything. You know, Texas yeah. Tornado coming to the ring with music uh, was probably longer than our match actually. But um, he he was all right. You know, he just he was there doing his job. Um, yep. Honestly, no ego. He just I remember the referee saying, "Where's Kerry?" And I said, "He's right over there." And he was just coming down the hall. 
got right up there to grill position. Like I'd already introduced myself to him, but but uh, we didn't talk about anything. You know, my finish, yeah, no problem. And um, we just got there and done a couple little things. Like I said, not much of anything. And uh, boom, there it was. So uh, no problems, because to me, I mean, yeah, fucking modern day warrior, man. Yeah. One foot or not, that fucking guy had a body, man. Oh and yeah, he was a huge over superstar, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, look, he just, he looked like a million bucks. If I'm not mistaken, he's the one of the sons that Fritz really thought he was going to be able to hang Yeah, the entire thing on, was going to be Carrie. He yeah. was going to be the star, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so, Bobby, the next one in June of that year mm -hmm. is the moment I began cheering for the heels. Okay. <laughs> I remember watching this match. It was Big John Stud, King Kong Bundy versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. All right. And the you know, Orndorff and Hogan, if I remember right, just kind of barely eked out the win in this one, and Hogan was beat to shit. And Orndorff <laughs> has got his arm up, and he's holding Hulk's arm up, and then he turns and he short arm clotheslines him. Mm-hmm. And then he puts him in that pile driver the uh, i what i would say is the best pile driver in the business yeah i i argued there's a couple of them but at that time paul Orndorff he had that jumping pile driver yep. too. that he son of a bitch looked like into it yeah it looked like it would drive your head about six inches deep <laughs> yeah 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 but i remember that too and then also uh just, just that whole lead up to that man you just there was tension you could see it between hogan yep and Orndorff, man, like there's something going on between these two, you know. Don't press Paul's buttons, basically. Yeah. And Hogan's like, don't get on my star, you know. Don't, don't, don't tread on me, kind of thing, you know. You're you're cutting over to my star time, and it was just that whole. That was a good time. Uh, it, it it like you said, I know there's a little bit of age difference between us, and. If you're going to make a switch to cheer for heels, that would have been a match to do it, Jeremy. Yeah, that was, that, I remember that. that. Was a changeover, man, for sure. Oh, yeah. And Heenan, sure. you know, Heenan was a big part of that, too, because at, at this point, Orndorff rejoins the Heenan family, which is what mm -hmm. he had That's come right. out That's of. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Bobby Heenan had, had just kind of put a worm in my ear. You know, he's like, fucking Hogan's a prima donna. He doesn't have any friends, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all right. Well, let's go. That's nothing. We're not going to go through July and August there. Um, we'll just say it was a hot, hot August night. <laughs> we'll just mm -hmm. leave it. Uh, we're going to jump to September the 13th. Um, I found this interesting, and I know we're getting ready to wind down on things here. But um, on September 13th, the uh, uh, gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, or GLOW, program makes its debut in syndication in the United States and Canada, man. Um, was you a big fan of GLOW? Um, I, was, I was an early teenage boy. I love GLOW. There you go. Um, you know, the answer I, is yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. Um, also, I remember during its second syndicated season, the guy who had originally organized GLOW had opened up a second promotion with a lot of the same girls called POW. Yes. And so at this point, there was a lot of wrestling in syndicated TV. And on a Saturday, you could watch wrestling for like five or six hours, and you got both Glow and Pow. Wow. And, I mean, you could see, like, wrestling from all parts of the country that you normally wouldn't get, you know. And it was just, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. The chicks in Glow and Pow were fucking gorgeous. That's why they were yeah. hired. Um some of them had moves, some of them didn't, and it didn't really matter. 
Right, right, yeah. yeah. Now, are you a fan of the Netflix series, Globe? I have seen the first two seasons. I did not yeah. watch the final season. Um, I think the two lead girls in that show, that, that Allison Brie is one of mm-hmm. the cutest girls on the planet. I mean, you know, beyond cute. She's yeah. just beautiful. And that uh, Terry Gilpin or Perry Gilpin, the other one, the, mm-hmm. uh, the all-American girl, has probably one of the nicest bodies I have ever seen on an actress in yeah. my life. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like Mark Maron. I listened to a lot of his podcasts. Yeah, he's funny um, in that show. And I thought he'd done good in it, yeah. yeah. And um, for what it was worth, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than I did the actual Glow Wrestling back in the day because um, I was a little bit older, and even though I watched Glow, I... I now, obviously, those girls are probably about my age, but I have no fucking chance. I'm not. I'm not the teenage lust. You know what I'm saying? I'm right, past. I'm right. going. Well, I ain't got a chance to fuck one of them. So, but no, they were they were all hot looking. But but as an adult, uh, when they put that series out, I got to really enjoy that more because I, you know, I saw some guys that were helping uh, with the show, with the choreography and and all that. And I just, oh yeah, oh you know, they, I took they, it in. You know? Yeah, you know, they had a great cast of people who were yeah. helping out. Yes, um, absolutely, Chavo you know, Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, just they had a great bunch of guys. I kind of struggle, and this is going to sound stupid because of the show we do. I kind of struggle with shows that want to peel back the curtain too much. Yeah, you know, yeah. expose the length. And now, again, this is somebody who's not in the industry, but we do a show where we kayfabe about a quarter of the time and don't about three quarters of the time. Uh, so you know, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. But yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it always strikes me as a little just like, oh, I don't like that. Well, you see, know? there was times, I agree with you, there was, and, and some of it they actually missed just a little bit. Sure. But um, that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're going to change it to, to suit, you know, the suits, the suit to, to draw numbers on uh, TV. Well, yeah. I streaming mean, services. Don't let, know? don't let facts get in the way of a good story. And that's, that's especially right, important man. in movies that's and right. TV. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, moving past that, let's go to October of 86. Um, man, I remember this too. Uh, what happened, Jeremy? Well, uh, Magnum, um, this is the car wreck that ends Magnum's yep. career. Uh, I mean, I guess we can be glad it didn't kill him. Yeah. I but, think he was five blocks from his house. Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's, they say that, uh, um, yeah. most, most lethal accidents happen within a quarter mile of your home. Yeah, but he what? Did he, I don't even know if the roads were wet or what. But he's driving. Uh, a, he's, I think he. Yeah, he said he was leaving a. There was a shoot interview on on YouTube, and I think he was leaving like a, a Bennigan's restaurant, and it was like five blocks away, and it was a little bit slick out. It had been a, a slight mist, I think, in the early morning hours. Yeah. Um. You know. Well, and he's yeah. driving a Corvette, and Corvettes fucking break loose over nothing. Was it you, Corvette or Porsche? Oh, I thought it was a vet. Okay, okay maybe I'm, maybe I'll yeah, hold back it, on that. But I thought yeah, it was no, a vet. No, I don't need. I'm trying to think. I, I'm honestly, I'm drawing a. Um, it's one of those two, and like you said, either one of those though, given that little bit of power, that little bit of kick on some wet, boom, you you know, it's going to go everywhere. It's slot assing everywhere. Uh, oh, it was a Porsche. It was a Porsche. Porsche. I thought yeah. it was. Thought it was. Um, what trying to call you out on? It's just like I, I just had recently seen. For whatever a clip of, of him talking, um, it was a shoot interview, and, and he was talking about it um, uh, here just in the last few weeks. It wasn't like I was out looking for it, but it was it's something that flashed up my YouTube. You know, the um, yeah, terrible. But you know, he's he's made a life for himself. You know, after that, he come back and does some announcing and 
and uh, tried to stick around the business as much as he could, and he still makes appearances. I met him in uh, Charlotte. Uh, did, uh, the first time I wrestled Dan Severn at the uh, Caroline's Memories Tour. They had several of the guys uh, like Rip Hawk and... Uh, uh, Shoot. So, so anyway, Magnum, I'm trying to think who all, who all Corny and Sandy Scott brought in for that. But a lot of older older guys at the time. Yeah. But Magnum come up to me. We spoke at the gimmick table. And um, it, was, it was a nice conversation. Um, to, for someone that not know me, you know who he was, uh, he just said, hey, I've heard, heard, heard really good things about you, Bobby. It's nice to me. He really put me over. Um, and I guess because, you know, he had seen me work in that area. Um, or he's just being nice, you know. Um, seeing me on TV or whatever, just like I had him. It, it wasn't a long, in-depth conversation, but it was very nice to, to – he may have just been, you know, shaking my hand and saying, nice to meet you, had a little, heard good things about you just to be a professional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then that's fine. You, nice. fuck, you, you oh, met yeah. Terry Allen, and he was cool to you. I mean, Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that was a cool thing. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's great no matter what. I mean, um, yeah, so, you know, there were – let's see, Magnum TA I think is one of those, like – could have been losses along the lines of like a David Von Erich because Magnum was going places. Yeah, for sure. Magnum's career was strapped to a fucking rocket ship and headed up. Um, you know, I've heard different people refer to him as the Southern Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was the guy that they were going to push. And then unfortunately this happened. I got to figure out yeah. why I thought that was a vet. I must be thinking of somebody else's accident. No, but. that's all right. The uh, thing was, man, he was... Um, He's a, he was a workhorse in and out of the ring. He, mm -hmm. he, he got bigger and stronger and faster. I mean, he just kept improving. Um, his mic skills just kept getting better and better. And then his in-ring performances were just keep just kept getting better and better and better. And of course, that went along with guys that he got to work with along the you know along the way there. Sure. Uh, wrestling from wrestling number two all the way to Tully, man. When you're around a guy like that, you just have to listen to what Tully tells you. Uh, Flair the same thing, you know. If they're yep. grooming you, you know, um, man, you you just you. Pay close attention to the small details and everything else. The big stuff will come out, you know, and it did, man. He, he, he had it all. Um, like you said, the Hulk Hogan of the South, that's, that would, um, he could have, he could have probably been, you know, worldwide, um, given had this accident not happened. Oh, you know what? I, I bet you they, they either did or would have loved him in Japan. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know if he went to Japan or not. Yeah, I, I would have to check because I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know for sure either. But I bet I, you the, the, the Japanese audience would have fucking eaten him alive. Oh, you know, yeah. Loved yeah, it. Sure. Um, um, okay, so moving on. Yep. Uh, November, Texas All-Star Wrestling. Um, do you want to tell us about that? Because I, I put that up there for you, to be honest with you. Oh, you know what? I've known. Yeah, give me a second, though. i got to go back and kind of refresh my memory. Because you cause... mentioned something about Southwest Championship Wrestling last week, too. But anyway, it's eventually sold to World Class Championship Wrestling. And I wasn't sure, I wasn't familiar with the Texas All-Star. I remember that, but I didn't know how the Southwest Championship Wrestling tied into it. Because I went from Texas All-Star to World Class Championship Wrestling in my mind. So I wasn't sure about that um, Southwest Yeah, you know, Bobby, off, off the top of my head, and just because we're, we're winding yeah. down on time, I don't, yeah. I don't remember a whole lot about them, but we can... Yeah. 
I'll, I'll look that's into okay. it more and kind of give it a rundown next week yeah, when we pick that's up. Yeah, okay. I just, in my mind, I remember the Texas All-Star and then going to the world class, but I couldn't. And I, I've seen Southwestern tapes on, on YouTube. They had them up for a while. Um, I just can't remember that part being a part of it. That's why I was asking. Yeah. And I know like, we're about out of time, man. Yeah, because I want to say, like, the, the thing I read about Texas All-Star would have put it later than this, so I'm thinking I'm thinking okay. of the wrong place. Um, okay. And I think it had something to do with Booker's eventual territory there in Houston. I, th- I th- see. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think we've covered 1986 pretty well, man. Um, had a good little conversation about. It. It's good to go back and visit these years. Sometimes I think the next one we want to do is. Um, uh, we're not settled on this for sure, but we're going to do one around the end of June, first of July, uh, and we're going to do. Um, so it's going to be our July Fourth special. And we're probably going to do 1976, the bicentennial year. So unless we come up with another year between now and next month, uh, that's what we're going to. That was kind of our goal, right? Yeah, that's kind of the plan. I think that's the plan. Yeah. But in the meantime, we got some great shows lined up. Uh, You want to announce what's coming up next week, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, next week itself is going to be Vinnie Berry, the author of Lance by Chance, the book about Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been meaning to get with Vinny for a couple weeks now. We just blew up our own schedules at one point. Yep. You know, uh, he is scheduled. He was scheduled for last week or no, two weeks ago. Yep. And, um, some, uh, that's mother's day, I guess it was. So he is penciled in for Memorial day weekend that we record on May 30th. If I'm not mistaken. And that'll air the following Tuesday. So unless something comes up, uh, he'll be a, a part of our program next week. And that's uh, Vinny Barry. You can Barry, check him yeah. out on um, uh, Twitter at Barry, uh, Vinny Barry. I said Barry. Very Barry? Very uh, Vinny Barry. Barry. Sorry about that. But also, you can catch me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Follow the professor at the Geekish Cast, or check into the joint account on Twitter as well as on Facebook, and that is Bell to Bell Blaze. Um, professor, I'm going to wind down this. Say, hey man, it's great catching up with you. I hope you have a great week. And wrestling fans, this is Double B Bobby Blaze signing off to the professor, giving it back to you, my man. Oh yeah, Bobby. You know what I think we need to do before your uh, your uh, corner. Uh, what is that? Your day coming up where you're going to be in the corner of uh, Shane Storm. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need to get you a T-shirt that on the front says, Orange Favorite Enhancement Talent, <laughs> and on the back says, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Okay, I can work on that, man. I, th- I think we need to find a way to get you a T-shirt for that day that says that. Okay. Know. You know, again, because we're going to ride that fucking horse till we get a, a cease and desist from Orange. Yeah. That's right. Orange Favorite Enhancement Talent. Yeah. I think we just say just Orange. Just Orange Favorite Arn. Enhancement Talent. Yeah. There you go. Because everybody knows who we're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. not like people are going to be going like, oh, Arn Hefferman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed uh, recapping as much of 1986 as we did. If there are things from that year we missed, please reach out on Twitter or however you would like to. Uh, let us know what we forgot, what we left out. We'll address it in the next week or two as we go. In the meantime, everybody, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Double B, Arn's favorite enhancement talent, Bobby Blaze. (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody.